Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into a celebratory Denver Stiff show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. We are partying over here at Denver Stiffs as the Nuggets make the comeback. They make the climb down 3-1 in the series against the Utah Jazz. My word, they fought back, fought all the way to the bitter end. The Nuggets win this final game seven, 80 to 78, in what turned out to be an absolute rock fight with no offense whatsoever. Nikola Jokic hits a massive game winner. The Jazz miss their shots, they miss their opportunities. I am joined today by two very special guests the OG Denver Stiffs crew, the Denver Stiffs show crew, uh, social media manager Jenna Garcia, senior writer Brandon Ewing. Guys, I'll start with Jenna first. My word, that was a lot of fun. Ooh, oh my <laughs> God. I, I'm, I seriously am like 10 years older. I am pretty sure. I have wrinkles. I have gray hairs. <laughs> I am stressed out. I am definitely going to need some medication to get me less stressed as I am right now because that was a really stressful series in general and stressful game seven. I agree. Skip, what are your first thoughts? No, it was a. Uh, it was nice to watch a sporting event again, where my legs were shaking and I was nervous for like two and a half hours. So <laughs> it was kind. Of, it was kind of nice to have that back in my life. So uh, I'm glad the one. I'm glad the game is over, and, and two. I'm glad the Nuggets ended up winning. So now I'm not stressed anymore. I'm glad that there's a game one on Thursday, not a fourth consecutive game seven for the Nuggets. My my word, were those all stressful? <laughs> It, it really was stressful. All of these games were close. All of them were were barn burners down to the end. 3-1, they come back and win game five. 3-2, they come back and win game six. 3-3, they started, they start up at the half. They actually played really well in the first half of this game, but but the Jazz slowly chipped away at that lead. The offense went to shit. Uh it was it was really close. And and I tweeted, I, I I'm not nervous. Uh kind of during the middle of that fourth quarter or maybe maybe towards the beginning of it I got nervous by the end my stomach was kind of up in my yeah. my chin like it was it was <laughs> kind of nuts uh, but but when Nikola Jokic hit that shot Jenna I'll start with you what was the first thing that went through your mind you know I didn't even realize that like you you told me after the game well he hit a game winner and I was like there was so much commotion after that happened that it was like I was too stressed, but I will right. say as like what Brandon had to what Skip had to say. It's so weird calling you Brandon. Um, what Skip said <laughs> about man like, being names. excited <laughs> to like have a sports to watch again. Like I set aside my evening. Like I didn't have anything to do. I didn't even work out. Normally I work out during the game because I'm like at home. I might as well get two, two things done. Not today. Sure. I like made my dinner. 
I sat down and made a little like night of it. So I was excited in that way too. And I'm glad they did walk away with the win, but I couldn't even recognize that that was a game winner until like everything calmed down for me. So my reaction was still, um, I thought they were really going to mess that up because they really almost messed that up. They really did. Uh, <laughs> Skip, Skip, let me, let me get your reaction there. What were you thinking when Jokic hit that shot and then when the Jazz came back down the floor and, and we saw the, the entire sequence of events that we saw to end that game, which was just madness? So I was really hyped when Jokic hit the shot. Like I remember I was sitting here and Caitlin was next to me and I clapped and she got like really scared because like the, the volume wasn't really up. <laughs> She's like, what just happened? I'm like, oh, he just made a really cool shot. So I got really hyped. And then I kind of ruined it for myself because my Hulu feed's slow. So I was on Twitter and I think I saw Vic Lombardi tweet Nuggets Advance. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then I watched the final 20 seconds. And if I would have watched that live, I don't know what would have happened because I would have I freaked out. So I kind of ruined it for myself, which is probably good because that was incredibly stressful. And I, I think I've seen Mike Conley make that shot 99% of the time this series. Yeah. So the fact that it yeah. didn't go in was pretty insane. and. I just don't. It would have been crazy if the Jazz made that shot. What would what would we be talking about right now? Because that would have been like one of the worst losses possibly of all time. I would have hated yeah. it so much. Did you 100%. see though? Did you see after the game they were looking at? They were live on Tory Craig's um, Instagram, and they somebody pulled up the shot, like a picture of the ball, and it was literally like a third of the way into the hoop. Oh, I know. It was crazy. Oh, that and another shot. It was crazy. An, another development, though, is did you see all the pictures on Twitter that Rudy Gobert was actually out of bounds when he rebounded the ball? Yeah, Rudy I Gobert did see that. It was out of bounds. So the I ball might have came that. back. It probably would have been Nuggets ball anyway, but at the same time, I mean, the shot goes in and then the officials actually have to make that call that his foot was out of bounds. And that would have just been a whole nother can of worms that I can only imagine. Yeah, nobody would have known to look for it. Let's go, let's go sequence by sequence here with what, with what happened at the end of that game. The Nuggets, with about 35 seconds left, they inbound the ball, get it to Jokic. He posts up Rudy Gobert, and he makes a really nice set of moves. It's, it's a very standard Jokic move that he got. Uh, dribbled into the middle of the lane, uh, faked once, faked twice, and then shot the sky hook that he that he shoots from the ground, basically. But it's in, it's unblockable. It's unblockable. It's uncontestable, really. And the shot went right through the net. It was really good to see. Uh, Jazz take a timeout after advancing the ball. Uh, they are, they're forced to take another timeout because Gary Harris's defense at the end, he denied Donovan Mitchell the ability to get the ball cleanly. So they took their final timeout. That was one of the reasons why they didn't call timeout after Torrey Craig missed that shot. They could have advanced the ball and got a clean look. Um, but the play that really happened, that, that really set that all off, was Donovan Mitchell getting the ball in isolation with about 15 seconds left, going right at Gary Harris. Harris jumps to the side that he wanted to go, forces Mitchell to his left off of a spin, and then pokes the ball away from Mitchell right to Jamal Murray. Jamal then dribbles it up on a three-on-one fast break, passes it over to Torrey Craig for some reason instead of pulling the ball out for free throws. And Torrey Craig goes up, misses a point-blank layup, one of the easiest shots that he's ever had in his career. Rudy Gobert rebounds the ball, passes it back to, Rudy, to Mike Conley. Uh, Conley dribbles down the floor, 
fakes once, gets a clean shot up at the buzzer that would have sent the Nuggets home and was, as you guys said, a third of the way down before getting out. Nuggets win 80 to 78. And my word, like that was really a good encapsulation of the series right there. It was just chaotic. It was back and forth. It was nuts. Uh, Let's talk about Gary Harris really quick because I thought that he had a great performance. He clamped down on Donovan Mitchell to close that game, had a lot of great defensive plays. Skip, let me start with you this time. What did you think of Gary Harris? You know what I have to say? (laughs) Yeah, and again, the shooting stats aren't great, but Gary Harris could score negative 10 points and I wouldn't care because his defense is so good. It's so fun. (laughs) It is so fun to watch, man. He put the clamps on Mitchell. He he was putting on a clinic against Jordan Clarkson too. It was was really fun to watch and I think that he played a massive role in them winning this game. I, I don't think they win this game if Gary Harris doesn't play. I don't even know if they win the last game if Gary Harris doesn't play. I think his addition has been huge. He played 26 huge minutes off the bench, and I'm excited to see what he can do in the Clippers series too because I think his defense is much needed, and it really helped the Nuggets win this series. Jenna, what about you? Here's the thing. Gary's defense is amazing. Gary's defense is all of the things that we see it be. He is, he's phenomenal. All Gary needs to do is stop shooting the ball on the offensive side of the floor. If he just plays, does his thing on defense, like how come Michael Porter Jr. has to stay in his lane, but Gary Harris doesn't have to stay in his lane? He missed so many shots, and it wasn't that he just missed those shots because I want him to shoot and get out of his shooting funk for sure, but – He missed those shots, and those were the only opportunity on that end of the floor, like that possession, for them to score. It was the only chance they got. They did not get any rebounds off of his missed shots. Like they all, I think they got one second chance, second opportunity, and then Jamal shot it, and Jamal missed too. And yeah, aside from that, like that was nine nine chances, you know, nine opportunities. And it's not so much like Gary played great in the first half of the game. His minutes that he had there were great. But MPJ and Monte had a groove going. That lineup that was out there with MPJ, Monte, I think it was Jamal, Jokic, and then maybe Grant or Millsap. But um, when MPJ and Monte were on the floor, the offense was really aggressive. And it just feels like it's working double against you. You're You're getting the stop on defense. And even then, there was a chunk in the third quarter and the fourth beginning of the fourth where Donovan Mitchell was getting anything he wanted. So Gary Harris wasn't like doing enough of his job on defense. Any Donovan Mitchell is going to get that bucket no matter what is my issue. He's going to get that bucket whether MPJ is on him or whether Torrey Craig is on him or whether Gary Harris is on him. So yes, does Gary need to be in the, in, in those last two minutes of the fourth quarter? or the last minute of the fourth quarter, do you not win that game or get those stops without Gary? Sure. But you also might have been up by like 12 if, if Malone had put MPJ or Monte back in that game at the beginning, end of third, beginning of fourth, right. some sort of chunk in there. There, had, there was a stretch in there where Gary played far too long. He was also tired, and then you relied on him heavily to defend at the end of the fourth quarter, which he did, and he did do his job. But like, we won by two. Yeah, no, hey, I'm I'm with you. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I I tend not I tend to give him a pass specifically because the Nuggets needed some offense to come from somebody outside of Murray and Jokic. And the fact that Porter wasn't on the floor, your other options are Tory Craig and Jeremy Grant. And 
it was clear that Grant didn't have it going from the beginning of that game. It was clear throughout that Torrey Craig wasn't going to be able to hit threes. And uh, I was, uh, hey, they, they couldn't really hit anything. I think they combined for, for two shots made or, or three shots made between the two of them. So uh, Gary had to be aggressive in some ways. I think that there are a couple of ways that he could have applied it better, but we're going to talk about this Malone thing because he went with his guys. It was very clear that there was a decision made that around Jokic, around Murray, you knew that Grant had to be out there. He'd been great all series. They decided to go all defense and went with Gary Harris and Torrey Craig. And the Nuggets nearly lost this because they only scored 80. Like, like they held the opponents to 78 and more power to them. But it, it was a two-point margin, like you said. And I don't care how you do it, whether it's offense or defense. Like like you said, MPJ had it going in, in the first half. I thought he did a lot of great things. He, he did have an air ball in there. He did miss a couple of shots badly. But they needed somebody that they could trust from three. And they didn't have anybody out there outside of Murray and Jokic, and Murray was hobbled. So I'm totally with you. I think I'm totally with you. Here's the thing. If they lost that game tonight, if Conley makes that basket, which it was a third of the way in. As close as he missed that. As close as you can get with it missing, for sure. Yeah. If they win that game, we're not sitting here talking about Gary Harris's defense right now. We're sitting here talking about the fact that Malone didn't put offense on the floor. For a long stretch of time, I wasn't paying attention to the minutes and I'll have to go in and check at what point he um, checked in and then didn't check out. But MPJ didn't get like hardly. I bet if we check his minutes for the second half, I mean, did he even play in the second half? He played, I think, five minutes. I think he played 12 minutes in the first half, five minutes in the second half. But it was a very short stint. Uh, I was really disappointed in the way that that was managed at the end. but I. It's it's Malone's identity, and it's so hard for him to get away from that, to get away from Torrey Craig. Nearly cost him this game because, it, in fact, it was Torrey Craig who made the rookie mistake at the end of the game and nearly cost them the series. Like, let's be yeah, frank and, about and, this. And Malone was outcoached for a large majority of this series. He willpower – like, Jamal Murray's willpower got them to game seven. It wasn't Coach Malone's adjust. I mean, he did make the adjustment of starting Monte Morris, which I thought worked out pretty pretty well. And getting Gary Harris back helped him, sure. But had he not got Gary Harris back, what would he have done? Are we even in a Game 7 situation? Because he wasn't making adjustments. I think he probably goes with P.J. Dozier, which is over Porter, which I think is nuts, and I think that's that's a, a symptom of the problem. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Skip, you've been quiet through this. Uh, do you agree with Malone's decision to go with Torrey Craig? I think that 78 points is 78 points for the Jazz. Like, it speaks for themselves. They had a great defensive game. Yeah, no, I don't hate it, but to a certain extent, the thing I was most frustrated about in the fourth quarter was the rebounding. I mean, the Jazz were getting so many uh, offensive rebounds in that fourth quarter and generating so many second chance opportunities and as good as a scorer michael porter jr is he's arguably the nuggets best rebounder i would say that he's a better rebounder than Jokic is. so that was the thing that was most frustrating for me because Jokic was getting bullied down low by gobert the jazz were getting all those second chance point opportunities and they were making them count so i'm not as frustrated in that craig was on the floor because he can't score but i was frustrated on the floor because he didn't really rebound and that's something michael porter jr would have done and then on top of it, he would have given another scoring threat. So I think 
that that rebounding is what I really missed from the Nuggets in that fourth quarter, and MPJ would have helped with that a lot. Great point, Skip. On top of the offense that he brings. Yeah, he's he's a multidimensional player, and I think that's something that Malone has talked about, and that even though he was missing shots in the game six, uh, Malone kept him out there because he had 12 rebounds. I truly think that this was a – this was a Malone getting caught up in the moment kind of thing and not wanting the rookie to get to be the reason that they lost the game because of defensive miscues. And maybe he's not making as many shots as he needed to offensively, but uh, it's too bad. And I hope that he learns from this. I hope that he understands that, especially when Murray doesn't have it, it's only Jokic. It's really only Jokic that can do the things that he needs to do. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles this next series against the Clippers because I think they need his size. It's very clear. Uh, Okay. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do some wrap up on the jazz series and then look ahead to this next series against the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here. Let's keep it high energy. This is a fun time. Nikola Jokic made a game winner in game seven against the the Utah Jazz and the defensive player of the year or two-time defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. Like he showed out. That's one of the big things about game sevens is that you're, you're, it's, it's made right there. There is no place for you to hide. And my God, Jokic came through, uh, I thought he was really good on defense too. Like there was a reason why the Nuggets held them to 78. They still attacked Jokic pretty consistently. And I thought Jokic really responded. Skip, what'd you see from Jokic defensively tonight? Yeah. I mean, he had his active hands like he usually does getting his hands in those dribbling lanes. I, the only part that would struggle for he still got 14 rebounds, but I thought he could have been better in that fourth quarter. But all in all, I think he put together a fantastic performance. He was their closer late. He hit the big shot over Gobert. And I mean, he was special, and the Nuggets needed it because Jamal Murray was struggling. And I think Jamal Murray was struggling because he got hit in the thigh in the first half, which we haven't talked about yet. But I think Jokic really picked it up, and he helped, you know, the Nuggets advance, which which was huge because Jamal Murray got him to this point, and Jokic helped put him over the top. So. We'll talk about Jamal real like in just just a second, uh, Jenna. What did you think of Jokic on both ends of the floor tonight? He he really, I think he showed that he's the best player on the team. Like I think that that's the time where you step up and you you say, hey, look. I, Jamal Murray has gotten a lot of pub. I am Jamal Murray's biggest supporter. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Jokic continues to prove that he rises to the occasion no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, even think the, the hype around Jamal has even phased Jokic. You know, he's just one of those people that isn't phased by, by like, anything, I think, I mean, yeah. honestly. Did you see um, in – Gosh, there was like a foul, a foul, I believe it was like in the second quarter, Donovan Mitchell went in to drive on, um, on 
Jokic and it was either it was Millsap Millsap ended up fouling him from behind and he landed kind of like flat on his face Um, yeah and when Mitchell got up Jokic like tried to like pat him on the back to check if he was okay and Mitchell like shrugged him off kind of like pissed at him (laughs) and Jokic was like huh like people get mad <laughs> competition like what oh, so <laughs> it was funny. just like that was the most Jokic moment because I swear he does not care like nothing phases him like that he's just not um very I I don't think that the that the hype around Jamal was what what even phased him but I I agree with Skip like I wanted him to be better more aggressive in the fourth quarter um I think it was kind of like out of the blue and we were talking in the slack like okay it's time for Nicola to shoot nobody else touched the ball like joking around about how like it was time for him to kind of like pick up the pick up the pace because we could tell that like they came out cold at after the half like Jamal came yeah. out much colder um and they needed Nicola to just kind of lock it down and shut down the night and he hasn't had to do that in a while and it almost seemed like Maybe it took him by surprise or maybe because he was aggressive in the first half and I thought he was really great. And either way, I thought he was, he was very good. I thought his defense was good. He uh, got a couple fouls that I didn't think were totally game seven kind of fouls, like compared to some other people kind of got to slide, but um, I thought he did a good job managing his fouls over, over the course of the game. And then of course on offense, I mean, obviously he could have been a little bit more aggressive in the fourth, but he was phenomenal. He, he was getting shots. He didn't stop shooting just because um, one thing I think I've been missing from him in this series is really more his assists. Like he hasn't had big, crazy assists during this series. And I really can't put my finger on why that is. They did a really good job. The jazz did of, closing down the passing lanes, really sitting on the cuts that he normally gets. They're a really smart team. And having the defense two-time defense player of the year, Rudy Gobert, it really helps. Rudy, he bothered Jokic for a lot of this series. And a lot of Jokic's game came from the perimeter for most of it because that's where it needed to come. And, and, and some of that was because Jamal was getting hot and they needed Jokic to move out of the way of him. But, but a lot of it was just because Gobert was Gobert. And, and like, that should absolutely be a, a credit to Gobert in this case. Um, I, I still think that he's, he's clearly the best center in the NBA. We've, we've gone through this so many times that like, there's, there's no question. Like if you show up like this in a game seven, make the game winning shot, you are the best center in the NBA 30, 14 and four with two turnovers, making the game winning shot over the two time defensive player of the year. I'm going to keep saying that. It's it's unequivocal at this point. Like like what could, what more can you ask for? Well, and I think no more of this uh, Embiid talk. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think <laughs> I might have been a little hard on Jokic because when I'm realizing now he had five fouls with six minutes left in the game, so the dude can't really go balls to the wall like and get right. another get a sixth foul. So he did a pretty good job of not fouling out because if Jokic fouls out in that game with like three minutes or so left, the we're having a different story now. So the fact that he was able to stay on the floor and end up hitting the game winner was huge, especially when he had five fouls with almost half a whole quarter remaining. So that was pretty special for him. I agree. Um, okay. And I need to say, um, I'm checking out the minutes that MPJ played. And it looks like he played, he started the fourth and maybe played till the nine, nine fifty three mark. So 
and and he didn't do much in that chunk of time. So maybe he wasn't bringing as much offense as he needed to bring. So it wasn't that big of a difference between having him or Tori or, or Gary on the floor, but it just felt like there was a big lull in the middle of that stretch of like, we didn't hit a single basket. Like they didn't hit a single. Basket. Sure. It's, it's tough. And I, I don't think they went to him as much as they should have in that stretch. Uh, there was definitely some opportunities missed there, but overall it's hard to complain. Like, like they got the win. They get to move on. We get to see them against a championship contender in the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, before we talk about the Clippers, is there anything else you guys want to say on this final game or this final series? I just want to give another shout-out to uh, Jamal Murray because we would not be having a Nuggets game on Thursday if it was not for Jamal Murray. He's a stud. He's a superstar. And thank you, number 27, point guard for your Denver Nuggets. 100%. <laughs> Skip, would you marry Jamal Murray if you could marry Jamal Murray? Have Might to be give a up your would, current fiance. That might be a little too far, but I would love to hang out with Jamal Murray for a day, go shoe, go shoe shopping. I'm a massive Adidas guy. If he's listening to this, I love Yeezys. <laughs> I can never get a pair of them because they're so limited. But Jamal Murray, you're the man. I don't even care what he does the next series because I already think he's a superstar. Dude's awesome. Amen. Amen. Can't, can't really say it better myself. Uh, let's, let's move to the Clippers who – they were playing against the Dallas Mavericks, won their series in six games. They didn't have to face Kristaps Porzingis for most of the series, so we don't know how they're going to look exactly against Nikola Jokic and a, and a team like that. Uh, they have a couple of matchup problems for Denver in Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. The Nuggets have a couple of matchup problems for the Clippers and Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. So uh, what are you guys' initial feelings on on – that kind of series and and what do you think we can expect from Denver on on Thursday night? Let me start with Jenna. You know, I would say that the Clippers like I really didn't want to play the Clippers. Um I think that that was really like if I could have chosen they I would have chosen them last. Uh, they're good. I just feel like they're going to Yeah, they're really good, especially defensively and um and while I don't think that they'll give the Nuggets such a hard time from three-point range like Utah did, uh, I think it's going to be a much more physical game. And just because of the fact that, like, Denver did go to seven and is playing them on one day's rest again is going to make them – it's just going to give the Clippers the upper hand right off the bat, you know? And so I, I feel like they're going to need to be, like – really aggressive and it's going to be a lot of like Jokic in the paint and a lot of pick and roll to be successful and I don't know they're gonna they need like a breath they're not even gonna get a breath totally agree skip where are you at with this yeah I'm gonna give the nuggets a pass just for whatever happens on Thursday I think they're just playing with house money at this point so no matter if they lose if they win, obviously it's great. But if they lose on Thursday, I'm not going to take that much stock into it. The thing that I'm kind of curious about is who the Nuggets start in their series because I don't really think they can start Monte Morris again. I kind of – but then at the same time, do you put Gary in the starting lineup and maybe put him on Paul George? Do you start Torrey and then have Gary off the bench on Lou Williams? And then I think it's also going to be a really big series for Jeremy Grant because I think Jeremy Grant's going to start. I think I'll probably draw Kawhi Leonard and I – I would like him to slow him down. I would like him to slow him down. And then there's another storyline. Does Paul Millsap start? 
because it's kind of Paul Millsap against Marcus Morris, kind of two wafty veterans who can win that matchup. So there's a bunch of different storylines I think this series is going to have, and they'll all start on Thursday. I'm just kind of curious to see what Malone does with his starting lineup and his rotations. I think it's good. You're, you're spot on with that. I think there, it's going to be really interesting to see whether he even goes to Michael Porter Jr. in the starting lineup because I think he might actually have to. Uh, Porter is is a six foot ten guy who who athletically, physically, and with the capable shooting that he has, he has the potential to be able to impact this series in a positive way. Uh, even on the defensive end, because I thought his his defense took a leap in this series. Uh, thought he was a lot better. They'll probably do some crazy stuff with the Clippers, but they may not because the Clippers they're a little bit more isolation heavy with Kawhi with Paul George. Uh, we're going to have to see what happens. I, I tend to agree that that's a big storyline, who they start. I think they'll probably go with Gary Harris at the shooting guard, at starting shooting guard, and then they'll probably go with Paul Millsap at power forward, start Grant at the three, and then go Jamal and Joker. That, that would be my guess. But there are so many ways that this thing could go that I, I haven't really had time to really settle down and think about all of the logistics there. Uh, I'm with you guys, though, that, hey, Thursday night, they, they get a pass for whatever happens. Go out, try hard, try to win the game. Don't get me wrong, but don't be surprised if if the energy they just don't really if they just don't really have the energy because it, it, they just they spent it all trying to get through this game against the Jazz. Yeah, I agree. I think they do have to do something about the starting lineup, and they I I would like to see Paul come off the bench as well. I think it makes sense to add Gary in there as the two, but why not have MPJ in there as the three move? move Grant down to the four and let Nicola be the five. And you're going to get a lot more athleticism, a lot more offense. I think like, I just think it would be a better, better situation for them than having Paul out there while I like much respect to Paul and everything, but he can come off the bench and, and maybe that will give him exactly what he needs, which is a break because he is old man, Paul. And it's okay. Like I'm old too. I get it. My knees do not work the same way that, they used to. I wouldn't be able to play like that like he is either right now, you know? Totally get it. <laughs> um, before, we, before we go, Skip, do you have any parting thoughts uh, on, on, the jazz, or on the Jazz or Clippers? No, I'm just uh, I'm proud of the Nuggets for coming back. I mean, they're only the 12th team in NBA history to overcome a 3-1 deficit, so that's, that's pretty special. So, uh, you know, props to them for getting through the Jazz. And no matter what happens in this Clippers series, I think they've shown people a lot in these playoffs. So, you know, just, just shouts to them. So Good to hear. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in on such short notice. We'll have content up on the site podcasts going forward previewing this series and doing all the breakdowns that we normally do guys thank you so much for tuning in jenna garcia social media director skip uh you don't even have a last name uh senior writer for denver stiffs you guys are great and been super happy with everybody over at stiffs lately that's going to do it for this episode we will see you guys very soon